If you've got your Bibles, this is a challenging word this morning. We are working on, do you know what book we're working through if you're coming regularly? Anyone? Who? Ephesians, yeah, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Um, this is a countercultural word, I'm warning you. But we do not build our lives on the culture of our day. We want to infect and impact the culture with God's word. Right? So honestly, this is, I'm always doing this, aren't I? Your Bible, this is, this is the final authority for us. It all matters of faith and life. So, um, again, if you, I want to encourage you, bring Bibles. You can't beat a Bible. It's nice having a phone and that, you can do all this stuff, switching around, but you can't, you can't beat the smell of the paper. It's wonderful. You can write on it. You can't write on your phone, can you? Well, you can, I suppose, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm stopping. Yeah, but um, do enjoy your word. And Ephesians 5, and we're going to read from verse 21 to 6-9. Can we just have a title up? So there you go. This, the title for this morning is Walking Out God's Word. Walking Out God's Word, the Ephesians series, which is finding our true identity, finding who we are, both as individuals and as a corporate people of God, yeah? That's the whole purpose of this book. So walking out God's word. And look down at verse 21 of chapter 5. And we don't need the verses up per se, so I'll just read them out. And it says this, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. It's a profound mystery, what we're talking about this morning. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and your mother. This is the first commandment 
with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we want to this morning line our, li- our lives up with you in this family here, Lord. Lord, we build on no other foundation than Jesus Christ and him alone. We thank you, Lord, that you are the living word. That this book, Lord, is an introduction to you. It's how we find about who you are. It's how we find about how we are. We thank you that you revealed yourself to us. That we're not wandering around in the dark. But we thank you, Lord, that you have revealed yourself to people in this place today. And I pray, Lord, as we go through these words, that Holy Spirit, you'll have your way here. You'll convict and comfort. You'll challenge us. Lord, we want to live our lives unto your glory. Not in our own. Not in our own way. It's your way, Lord. We want to live your way in these challenging days. And Lord, we want to be that city on a hill that stands out distinct and portrays life as how it's meant to be, according to your word. We ask these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Challenging that, isn't it, eh? The three things it talks about. Marriage, family life, and actually we didn't read, I've got to just read from verse 5. Sorry, I stopped short. I don't know why I stopped short. Look down at verse 5. should have included this. It's talking about marriage, children, and you've got to think about the culture. The culture was slaves and servants in those days, yeah? We don't live in that culture now. But it does say there, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or free. Masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Should have read that last bit. But what we're going to look at this morning is marriage, as God intended, family life, as God intended, and work life. Now you may find yourself, you may have been through a marriage and it's not gone well, and please do not take condemnation from this word this morning. It's not about that. You may be single here this morning. You might think, well, what's that got to do with me? It has got something to do with you. Because this word is about how you live as a Christian in life. Whatever situation you find yourself in this morning, you will find yourself, you'll either be married, single, you may be working, you may not be working, but there will be something here. And how many people were born? I don't mean about born again, but were actually born. Had a mother. You had to be here today, you had to have a mum. And we honour our mums. So it says there, doesn't it? It doesn't matter how old you are, honour your father and mother. I know that can be challenging too. Because not everybody had a great background. I understand that. 
But what we want to try and do is bring, what, is God's, what would God say? What, were, what was the original plan? And you're going to see some of that this morning. The culture, whoa, wow, some of those things. How many think that that is going to kind of, kind of grate against the culture we live in? Yeah? Just a bit. But, you know, we are not shaped by what the culture defines. There was a great man of God who spoke at my Bible school when I was there in the 90s. And he was a Canadian pastor called Ern Baxter. Anyone heard of Ern Baxter? You may have heard him, may not have heard him. We spent, he came in for a week. He was amazing. He was an old guy then. And he, what he hadn't done wasn't worth knowing. But he was interviewed that week. And this is in 1993. Okay? So how long ago is that? It's, in fact, it's exactly, what, 30 years ago. Was it really 30 years since I was at Bible school? <sighs> Seems like five minutes, you know? 30 years ago I was there. And the kind of church we like to... B, which we believe is God's plan, is open to the Spirit, yeah? You know, I'm always saying, preach God's word, love people, and welcome his presence. It's, we haven't got anything really more complicated than that. That's what we're going to be about until he comes back, or we've got to be with him. But in all the years ago, church wasn't really free. Did anyone go to those churches that were a bit quiet and stayed? Anyone, anyone go to them? And then you may know, like the Pentecostal churches did have the spirit. They were quite like lively. But then this whole move came in back in the, in the 60s and the 70s really where the Holy Spirit began to fall on traditional churches. And it caused a bit of mayhem. You know, if you lifted your... In my day, if you put your hand up in church, everyone looked at you. It wasn't like the dumb thing. They thought, do you want to go to the toilet or something? What's wrong with him? And one of my great friends, who was a great, another great mentor to me, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you can't contain the life of God, right? You, speaking in tongues, enjoying the Lord. It's normal for a Christian. And he encountered the Spirit. And he was in a dry church. Anyone been in a dry church? But the preaching was great. But it was, the actual atmosphere was a bit traditional. And he, he was, he'd been filled with the Spirit the week before. Holy Spirit in him. Excited. And he's getting really excited as this bloke's preaching the Bible. So he tiptoes out. And he goes to the toilet out the back. And he goes, thank you, Lord. And he has like a glory time on his own. Singing in tongues, speaking in tongues. And he comes back out, sneaks back out and sits down for a bit more. <coughs> that, was the, that was the landscape of the church in those days. The freedom of the Spirit was missing, right? And now we live in a... A far freer day. And you know, sometimes we can lose sight of what we got. The Holy Spirit is real. He's as real as this. See, when you're saved, when you become a Christian, you're not trying to be better. It's not a, a self-help pattern for life. My friends used to say to me, Kenty, is it a code of conduct? I said, no. It's a relationship with God. Living, listening. Moving in God. And that cost pastors' churches sometimes in those days. They were kicked out, you know. They preach about the Spirit and the deacons would say, we don't want that in here. You're out. And it happened to people my folks knew. So it was costly. It was costly. 
So Ern Baxter, back in 93, was asked a question. And a man of God said to him, Ern, it's cost people a lot to enjoy the spirit. And to enjoy, it's been like, we've had to really kind of battle in a way for it. And this man said to Ern Baxter, Ern, what will be the next battle for the church? What will be the next battle? In 1993, Ern Baxter said, the next battle for the church will be whether the culture defines God's word or whether God's word defines the culture. That was 30 years ago. How much society has changed? How much has changed in the last 10 years? Morals, marriage. I don't think I need to go any further. I mentioned the other week, they're discussing now the gender neutrality, neutrality of God. This word defines who God is. God chose to re reveal himself as a father. Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, said, Our... He didn't say our, our neutral being. Now I understand that God isn't a man... Jesus is a man, but God isn't. And he has those qualities. But, but God decided to reveal himself as a father. No question. It's not a debate. For me, it's not a debate. It's straight. So that is the, the, the world we're in. And you may know, and again, I don't know what kind of background you've had. No family is perfect. It doesn't matter if you're in a Christian one. There is no perfect family. Well, there is. It's the family of God. And we've come into that. But in terms of the natural family, there are challenges, aren't there? We're all under challenges. We've all had our challenges. We've all been through them. Yet one thing we've noticed in society is, in, even in the last 30 years, 40 years when I've been conscious of it, the family unit is basically gone. The family unit's gone. Who designed the family? Whose idea was it? God? What did he say? He said, made Adam. And Adam's wandering around in this creation, this beautiful creation. And God says, the one thing that wasn't good, everything was good. Do you remember when he made the whole creation? He said, it was good. He said, but there's something that's not good. It's not good. You know what he said? For man to be alone. I will, I will make a helper suitable to him. And along came Eve. And there was this beautiful start of family on the earth. And God said to them back in Genesis, he said, well, he said, you know, you know, when God, we don't, in the Bible, you won't find the word Trinity, right? You heard we talk about Trinity, means three in one, that God is three persons in one. But that word Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible. But the whole concept of Trinity does. And it goes right back to the beginning. So let me read you from Genesis 1. This is the start. God said, let us. Let us? I thought God would. Let us make man in our image. Our image. Plural. 
according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea. Any fish? Any people like fishing? <laughs> let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing. Who likes creeping? Thing? <laughs> over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Interesting, isn't it? So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, we live in an interesting day, don't we? Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky and over every living thing and everything that moves on the earth. What a commission. And you know what happened? They were in this beautiful garden. They had a relationship with God. They would walk at night in the cool of the day and enjoy the Lord. And then Satan turned up. The one who wanted to rule in heaven who got thrown out See, he always wanted his own little rulership. And he never got it. God kicked him out with a third of the angels. So he showed up. And it wasn't a snake that spoke to Eve. They believed he was a bright, shining person. Very attractive. You wouldn't get deceived by something like that, would you? Deception usually is attractive. The lies in the sugar... You just see the sugar and taste it. And he, he turned up and he said, did God, did God really say? I'm going off my points already. I don't know why I'm talking on this. Did God really say? He wants us to doubt. You may be a Christian. You may have been a Christian a while. Or you may be quite new and you, might, and you feel the doubts coming in. You really? Did God, did God really choose you? Yes, he did. He chose you. He knew you. You didn't create yourself. He chose you and knew you. Did God really say? As soon as that doubt comes in, did he say? He's holding out on you, you know. Because if you eat from that tree, you'll be like him. The irony is, Adam and Eve were what? Already like him. Because they were made in his image and likeness. Now listen, don't, that's not an Im a mirror image. You know, that it's the character of God was in Adam and Eve. The qualities that are, that are God-like were in them. So, guess, you know what happened? They ate of the fruit. We don't even know if it was an apple. They ate, they ate from the tree they shouldn't have eaten from. Something changed. Their eyes were open. I'm naked. I didn't know. Was it? I'm, I'm naked. That gives me the idea that they were covered with something of a glory. There was a glory of God upon them. The moment they ate something, it changed. And it, it was time to meet God at night. You know, they, they used to walk in the garden with God. 
oh gosh, seven o'clock, probably here. I feel a bit rough. I tell you what, have you got them shears? Let's cut down some of these leaves. We'll, we'll, we'll hide. We'll get all these leaves and we'll, we'll hide from God. God made the leaf. Adam, where are you? Might be calling to you today. He said, where are you? I found that I was naked. Who told you you were naked? This conversation goes on. And then sin had arrived then. And sin messes up the order, see? It messes up the order of everything. And you want to know why we live in an evil world? Sin. Yes, Roger. And go back to that commission to Adam and Eve. Rule the earth on my behalf. Satan shows up and says, it was almost like Adam had a key. Basically had a key. I haven't got my keys with me. But Satan basically said, I'll have those. Now that you've done that, I'll have those. And chaos and sin arrived. So that's the origin of evil. You think, well, did God give that capacity? Yes, he gave choice. And evil has been, and it's messed the planet. So like even, you, if you read the, in Genesis 3, it talks about how Adam and Eve were together. And it says, even with Eve, her desire would be for a husband. It's almost this sense of, he want, she, want, she wants to compete with Adam. See, Adam was the head of the creation. And Eve came along as a helpmate. Now, please, ladies, oh dear me, that doesn't mean you are any less a being. See, God's three persons in one is totally equal. The Holy Spirit isn't less like the Father. He doesn't have less qualities of God than the Father or the Son. They all have the same qualities, but guess what? They all have a different function. And that's how God's designed it. Gosh, it's warm in here. Is it just me or is it warm in here? Oof. I think it's me just preaching this. <laughs> but God designed marriage. Yeah, we are different, aren't we? I mean, you know, I'm always interrupting Kath. You know, she'll start... I, 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 I might be, this might be generous in our house, but there'll be a story, they'll go on for it, there'll be loads of detail on it. And blokes, you're like, just give me the basic points. <laughs> oh, you need to, li and I don't listen, and all that. And we're, we're, dif we're different. And we're working those things out, aren't we, in our relationships. You know, if you fall over and hurt yourself when you're a kid, who do you really want? Mom! If you want money, who just shout, Dad? Give me a tenner. But you see, there's an emotional ability in a mum that we've got emotions, but we're different. But you see how God made a, he had a plan to bring these two together. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife 
I could get, get into marriage talking here, but some boys haven't left mum. They might have moved out, but they're still, they're still under the apron strings of mum. You leave mum, in the nicest sense of the word, and you cleave to your wife. That was God's plan. Leaving and cleaving together. And it says, and the two will be one flesh. Now, if you've got the privilege of having children, how many know when you look at them? They've got a bit of you and a bit of your wife. For, for me, I can, see, I can see both of us in our kids. So if you want to see what one flesh looks like, it's that joint. That's joining of those two persons who produce kids. And you see, God's plan was to produce a family that would rule the earth. And it would be, his presence would be there. And this usurper came and messed it up. But we, it doesn't end there. Jesus came. Yes! To put it right. 1 Corinthians 15, which talks all about the resurrection. It talks all about the natural and the spiritual. It talks about the first Adam and the, the, the last Adam. He's the last Adam. There won't be another one. He was the prototype, the herald of a new creation. He was like another Adam. And he walked through his life, didn't he? And the same thing happened into the wilderness. If you're the son of God. Do you remember? Back in Eden. Did God say, if you're the son of God, change these stones into bread. If you're the son of God, jump off the temple. Just worship me, Satan said, because all the kingdoms of the earth have been given to me and I can give them to whoever I choose. Ooh. How could he do that? He was a usurper. And yes, he had power on the earth till Jesus came. Talks about, Jesus talked one day about tying up the strong man and plundering his goods. Do you know, when Jesus died on the cross, Satan thought, I've got him. He didn't realise that was the great Time and moment of freedom for the human race. He was duped. The strong man was tied up and now Jesus plunders his house. That's why you're here today. You're not here by chance or even choice really. Something's brought you here. Something's... Look at your life. How on earth did you get saved? God was at work. The great emancipator, that's the great freedom bringer, has brought your life. Don't listen to that enemy who sows doubts and fears in your life and will do until your dying day. I promise it doesn't, doesn't stop. But how there is an order. There's an order. In my, gosh, I'm going to run out of time here. Am I all right for a minute? We are born again people though. And we want to walk out this in our marriages. So I want to challenge the men here. Be a man. 
Be a godly man. Lead your family in the things of God. I mean, I love watching sport. Remote control sitting there. But take responsibility for your life. If you've got a family. If you're a single this morning and you've not got a family, be a man. Be a, be a man of God. Being a man isn't going down the pub and drinking 25 pints and doing whatever you can do. And everyone goes, whoa, he's cool, isn't he? That's not man. That's a wimp. It takes a man to stand up and say, that's not right. I don't agree with that. I'm a Christian. And I stand for truth. What you're doing is wrong. It takes a man to stand up and do that. So men, fellas, if you're single, lead your life God's way. Immerse yourself in the word of God. Sing in the spirit. Be filled with the spirit every day. Be a blessing wherever you go. And if you have the... doesn't matter if... You, you may be older and think, well, I didn't do that with my kids. But when they come round now, today, if they come round and you've got them coming round or relatives, bless them. Honor them. Encourage them. Spend time with them. Invest your life in them. Get the Bible out at tea time. Oh, gosh. That used to cause mayhem, didn't it, Chloe? Time, I'll just get the Bible. Oh, Dad! Have we got to do that? We're just going to read some scripture, guys, and pray. Never underestimate the power of a seed. I'm not trying to condemn people saying that. I just say, be a godly dad. Be a godly husband. Lead your wife. Bless your wife. Honour your wife. God brought you together. You're equal before God. But you have a role to lead in the home. What would have happened if Adam would have led on that day? Back in the garden. Adam should have got up there and said, Hey, you, you talking to us, my wife. <laughs> He didn't, did he? Where was he? He's probably watching Sky Sports. <laughs> but we're walking out the word. Um, God is three in one, but everyone we said there, God is equal. But he all, there's different roles. Father chooses people. He, he created, well, Jesus created God's word. Father spoke the word. Jesus did the job. And the Holy Spirit was there hovering. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's brought you to life. He's in you. You better believe it. So, let me just say this. Headship is not dictatorship. You're not some kind of dictator in your house. So that's not the, so what it says. It says husbands. What does it say? Love. Your wives. As Christ loved the church, that's sacrificial love. Jesus didn't need to come and die on a cross. But he chose to. He said, I'll go. I'll sort it out. If you love, you look in the, you know, love. What's, what is love? Millions of songs on what is love. But let me just read quickly. You know, you'll know this. You'll have been to a wedding and all that kind of thing where they read these things. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, 
I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries, all knowledge. So in other words, if you're a God's man of power for the hour. But if you haven't got agape, that's this type of love. Not sexual love in this one. Sexual love is, God created it, right? Just it's been abused everywhere. And there's brotherly love, filio, which is Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Do you know that? Filio, that's what philo in Greek means. But this is agape. Love is patient, husbands. Where are they? Come on, I've got to go. They're still getting made up. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Remember that? Husbands, love your wives. Don't insist on your own way. It is not irritable. Oh, <laughs> It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. Tongues will cease. Knowledge will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect, that's Jesus, comes, the partial will pass away. And he goes on. He says at the end there, Now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. You see, submitting in our house, Kath's got loads of wisdom. You probably know that. And I'll be thinking, well, let's do this. Yeah, well, what about this? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, but the decision's yours. <laughs> it's a mutual submission. But the decision's mine. Because do you know who'll stand before God for our marriage? On the last day, won't be Kath, be me. We'll all stand before, she'll stand before God as well, but he'll say, what kind of husband were you? Let's have a, let's get a husband file. Ooh, here we are. <laughs> let's, what kind of dad were you? See, I've got no right to stand here and preach. If I'm not seeking to live in my first church, my home, my first church. That's what I'm going to be judged on, first of all. And then they'll say, now the church file. It's a, it's a scary day for leaders, judgment day. But if you're doing it in God's way, you really do it all your heart for God. You know? Wow. Um, so, family life, what can, you see, it says there about kids obey your parents. There's an old proverb that says, anyone know it? Train a child in the way they should go and they won't depart from it. I do believe that. And sometimes your kids may be away. They may, um, and kids go away. They've got to find their own thing. You know, I always say to my kids, we've brought them up in God's way, but I often say to them, I say, they'll tell you this, you've got to find your own feet of faith. I can tell you about it, I can influence it as best I can, but I'm not going to brainwash you. You've got to, you've got to ask the hard questions. Like, 
The one Josh asked me, I've told you before, driving over from school, Dad, if Jesus is God, yeah, he's God, yeah, why did he say on the cross, my God, why have you forsaken me? If he's God, why did he ask, why did he refer? <laughs> I thought, good question, <laughs> Good question. Good question. But you see, Jesus chose. He was equal with God, but he chose to, to come under the Father's subjection on the earth. It's not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours. But it was a good question. And I said, kids, ask questions. Because it's got to be robust. Because I don't want them to get to their 30s and think, do you know what, I don't know if this works. I only, I only listened to me, mum and dad, I didn't really find myself. You've got to find your own legs of faith. Family life. Finally, we'll get on to work. What kind of employee are you? It says they're slaves. Slaves. And look, that was a culture, right? That was, and actually, if you were a slave in the Roman world, you were, you were, it was actually quite good. You think, oh, what? But you were looked after. You had standing, actually. And you were looked after in a Roman family. And that's the kind of culture that Paul's speaking into. But he's probably saying, employees, work hard. Be the best. Employers, be the best. Don't frustrate, humiliate, or basically treat your staff with disdain. Honour them. Be a good boss. There's a great guy called Mark Mitchell. Anyone heard of Mark Mitchell? Runs a car business, a Christian. Cheshire Oaks, those car dealerships, Mark Mitchell's a Christian. The way he runs his business, didn't open on Sunday. In fact, he lost the Subaru dealership because he wouldn't open on Sunday. He said, well, I'm not doing it. That's his conviction, I'm not doing it. My staff are having the day off. <coughs> and Sunday's a day when people buy cars. No, my, my staff... You go there for your car service. You take your car, they take you away for coffee and, and muffins. You can go and sit in these lovely lounges to wait. You can use the business suite if you want to use it for free. Mark runs a good business. And he honours God. Employees, but what are you like as an employee? Are you going to sneak off early? It says when their eye is on you. Don't just do it when their eye is on you. When their eye isn't on you. I'm going to finish now, but I had once heard a story. Have you ever been in one of those situations where the phone rings and you're in an office or something like that and someone rings up and they want to speak to your boss? So you pick it up and they go, is, is Bill there? You go, and Bill goes, I'm not here. I'm not here. I'm not here. You ever had that kind of situation? And then the employee goes, oh yeah, he's right here. And then Bill goes, grows <coughs> at you and takes the phone and takes the call and says, and this is a true story. One of my friends. And he said, why did you do that? Why did you? I, I was telling you I didn't want to answer the call. My mate says, if I can lie for you, I can lie to you. Let that sink in. If I can lie for you, I can lie to you. So what? Think about your marriage. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husband. Not because you've been subjected like to some dictatorship. Honour each other as you walk through. It doesn't fit in this culture. You've got your rights! 
children, obey your parents of the Lord. First command of a promise, it will go well with you in life. So today, whatever situation you've had, your mum's alive, well, maybe she's passed on, I don't know. Whatever way you need to remember her, maybe pray. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that whatever way I came here, I'm here because you wanted me here. And I honour you, and I honour my mum. Whatever she was like. And honour her if she's still here. Bless her. You know, it talks about marriage there, about the, un- the unbeliever. What about if your partner's an unbeliever? There's a challenge, isn't it? You're saved and you want to... You know, I'm going to just give you some practical stuff. If, you, if your husband's not saved, don't go to every meeting that's on. Because you're just sitting around saying, I used to have a wife. She joined them. She joined them. Bible bashes. Never see her now. Now, I love you coming here. But what I'm saying is, honour your husband. Bless him. Because by the way you live, you think, flipping it, she's really changed, you know. She's really changed. And guess what? He might get saved. Never underestimate what God can do. So, marriage, kids, work. Let's pray. Father, there's a lot to say in that. You know that. You wrote the thing. But Lord, I just ask today that, Lord, whatever has come out today will just speak to hearts and lives in here. We thank you, Lord. We're a family on a journey. We're not perfect. We make mistakes, all of us. But Lord, we want to we wanna look at you, we want to look at your word. We want to line our lives up with your word. Lord, this is, this is true north. Even when we're making mistakes, help us to adjust. Adjust our lives to your ways. Father, if any in here this morning aren't, aren't through yet, Lord, I just pray. Holy Spirit, have your way in their life today. Let them bow the knee and surrender. Wave the white flag, Lord. To your rule. Lord, we're under your rule and we want your kingdom in our lives, we pray. Holy Spirit, bless every family in this house, bless every mum, bless every grandma. Lord, bless every single here today as well. Lord, nobody is left out in this house. Everybody is welcome. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.